You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the unofficial 40. Soonerscoop.com's very official recruiting podcast featuring Soonerscoop.com recruiting publisher Josh McQuistian. Get your recruiting fix from the leader in Sooner Recruiting. It's the unofficial 40 with your hosts, Soonerscoop.com publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian. All right, welcome back. It is another edition of the Unofficial 40, where we're out of our safe space because we're being joined by uh, John Shin, uh, who has been uh, helping to cover with spring football for us, who is in studio. And uh, John, I'll extend the courtesy to you first and welcome you to the show. Yeah, good to be here. I had nothing else to do on a Friday afternoon. Uh, that's right. Except, well, we get to talk about what you could be doing is going to the medieval fair, but Eddie Radosevich <laughs> is here. Uh Eddie, a staple of Norman. Yes. Uh, okay, hold it, because we have plenty to talk about with medieval medieval fair. <laughs> uh, Josh McQuistian, who I'm sure loves to dress up in uh, what do they call that uh, that metal stuff? The chain <laughs> link chain, chain link, or is it chain mm, mail? Chain armor? mail. Mm-hmm. You talk about it like you're an expert, Josh. I think say I did say that like I knew what I was talking about. I just kind of know what that's called, and I don't really know why I know what that's called. Are you also a pedophile like most of those people out there? I have never been. You know who is a big fan of the medieval fair is uh, one Tiffany McQuistion. She rather enjoys those festivals. But she doesn't like want to dress up, right? No, she's not a dress-up girl. She likes to go and watch all the people who have. Now it is. Uh, Ed, er, John had said that he was he was coming over here and he has to go by that way to get over to uh, my house slash the studio, and uh, he said traffic was terrible. Uh, did you see any of the losers out there? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it looked like it was more kids' day right now. Uh huh. But you know, then you you see your first guy in a wizard outfit, and then you're. <laughs> You know, my, my goal before the weekend is up is to see the guy in the armor, like, you know, pumping gas and smoking a cigarette at 7-Eleven over by Lloyd Noble. Here's my thing. Like, shouldn't you have to have a check-in station where, like, you can people can see that you're not a registered sex offender when you go? Because it is a mix of kids and older people who like to dress up in fantasy garb. Or as I like to call them, pedophiles. <laughs> Well, I'm more worried about the guy like carrying like the six foot long sword. Yeah, that like guy gonna, makes me nervous. Like just, he's going to hurt himself. I, yeah, like I feel like he hasn't been trained adequately with that sword. <laughs> there has to be a clear division of people that are doing that because it's somehow, some way, they're getting paid to be there, and then the other people that really are there just because of. But they and the like thing is, it's it. like it's 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 only old people because if they're younger people, they're into that LARPing or whatever that stuff is. What's that? What's what, LARP, that? Live yeah. action role playing? Oh my god! Like role models? Like role uh, models? Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. You have, have you mm. seen role models? Yes, okay. yes. Yeah, that's what that's called is LARPing. <laughs> but now, so like, if you're younger and you like medieval times, 
you just run around and hit people with a styrofoam sword. You don't need to go to medieval fairs where kids are just there to laugh at you while you eat your turkey leg. You wonder how much of that is is just twelve year olds twelve year olds looking at some. Oh, it totally is. I had I mean I had nieces uh, who are now beyond. Well, actually, one's in high school still. She'll probably be out there with her friends just looking at the freaks. Kids in Norman, they're they're kind of like advanced. They're kind of like Edmund kids. I mean, they're doing a lot of coke, <laughs> and you know they're smoking some weed, and they like to go out and and just laugh at the the chainmail wearing freak shows. I might need to drop over there after this. <laughs> you gonna scam some chicks? Did, Maybe. Did you just mark your niece really hard? No, my niece, my nieces would never. Be sniffing the coke. I, I'm just saying. I mean, th- there was there was. I'm just saying, kids in Norman there. are that, that insane. Kids in Norman are insane. I mean, Eddie knows this. <laughs> yeah, they are. Shin knows this. He lives here. Those little bastards are running <laughs> loose everywhere. It it's it's really interesting to like. I'm surprised see they've the, been able to build these schools the last few years and they haven't been burnt down yet. Well, they're rebuilding one. I mean, if you ever go down Main Street, they're practically oh, rebuilding Norman High School. The the medieval fair during college was a. That was always a must must do on a Friday like today. It's nice out. Oh, it's beautiful. Go have a beer, do whatever, get a turkey leg. It's an interesting collection of people, though. By the way, Eddie is going to the, uh, the Texas Tech-Oklahoma baseball game uh, tonight. Uh, we've got Rivals Camp coming up this weekend in Dallas. Uh, but I did, I did kind of... I had a question for Eddie. And also, John Shin has covered OU baseball for a long time. Covered... A lot of coaches, and a coach I want to talk about here, like Tim Tadlock is the coach of Texas Tech. Were, were Sonny and Tim on good? Because a lot of coaches didn't get along with Sonny. It seemed like they were. I mean, everybody's – I mean, Tadlock, when he left, it was to be assistant coach, but Kirby Holcutt had said, here, come here, be an assistant for a year. I'm going to fire this guy. Yeah. And you're going to be head coach. So it, so it, it was kind of like a coach and waiting kind of Exactly. And, I mean – But if you call it that, you're doomed to failure. I, Sonny wasn't happy when it happened. I definitely remember that. But I, I don't I don't think he never blamed Tadlock for taking that job because everybody fully understood Would what it was. Would Sonny dare just show up at the stadium and watch the game? If he does, I'll go down and watch the game with him for an inning. <laughs> That would be awesome. It I actually, think we, I think he follows all of us on Twitter. So. Yeah, yeah. If Sonny's there, though, it might be because he's there to attack Texas Tech pitching coach Ray Hayward. Oh, is Ray yeah. Hayward their pitching coach? Yeah. Oh and, wow. And has done, yeah, has done a really good job there. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I mean, that was right when I started covering OU baseball. Was oh four was that year where Sonny came back. Uh huh. Larry Cochelle still the head coach. Hayward's the pitching coach, and those two were I mean, oil and ready water. to go to blows twice a week. Jeez, and that that was just that 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 baseball program. You want to talk about being a soap opera? My favorite story ever is Bill Moziello just ripping off his jersey and walking home from was it Waco where they were? Yes, and Bill Moziello is now the a Jim very successful lead yeah. assistant at He's TCU. He's very successful at TCU. I don't think I've ever heard this story. What happened? You you remember the story, right? Yeah, I wasn't covering him yet, but I remember Coach Yell telling me the story. He and Moziello got got into it in the dugout in Waco, like the second inning of a game <laughs> on like Saturday. And Moziello just leaves. Just walks down the street, walks back to the hotel. In full uniform. Yeah. 
And then you remember you remember Russell Rayleigh? Yes. Played for played for him. Uh, or played well, for Coach Rayleigh, Hill, yeah. Rayleigh told me this story. Boziello goes and gets a job somewhere in the Yankees organization. Uh huh. I remember that. Yeah. Did the exact same thing. <laughs> 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 so I mean, that's it, his move. The, the guy, the guy is a hell of a hitting coach, a hell of a recruiter. It also has a hell of a short fuse. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, I'm telling you, I, I, if you Facebook Live, if uh, Sonny Galloway is, I bet he'd do an interview right in the middle of the game. Oh, I guarantee you, he would. Especially if Texas Tech is winning. Uh, yeah, absolutely. He, hell, he might be with the Texas Tech uh, cheering section if that happens. That there's a just, lot of. You just have to stay away from Ray Hayward's wife. Yeah, that's true. There, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of Oklahoma ties on that Texas Tech staff. Joe Hughes is director of of uh, baseball ops. He played for OU, uh, I guess ten years ago, yeah. or so. And then uh, I don't know if you want to mess with anybody named Jabod Thomas. He's their uh, recruiting coordinator and supposed to be one of the more respected guys in the country. Which, by the way, um, you know, Pete Hughes it looks like he's got things turned around this year. But man, if Texas Tech comes in here and whips them up and down, and you look, you know, look across that diamond, and it's a, it's an Oklahoma bred staff, and I mean that program is really doing well right now. Yeah, but anytime a fans ever ask me, the one thing I know about Tech is when they sign up a coach, they put these god awful buyouts if you want to go to another Big Twelve school. Yeah. And the other, the other deal is Tim Tadlock went to Tech. He is a West Texas guy. That's true. Yeah. That's where he wants. Well, to I'm be. not saying about stealing. Just saying. You had these guys in place mm-hmm. here, and they could have been a part of this program, got a, but it got blown up. And Sonny's probably as much to blame for that as anybody. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think if he, well, I don't know. I mean, Auburn's still paying him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and he lives like in Blanchard. Mm-hmm. I've heard. Yeah, I think so. I think his, uh, I think his son actually. I saw him tweeting about his son team. the other day, something about him or showing a picture of him or something. Yeah. All right, so anyway, there's a little uh, baseball talk for you. That's all you're going to get. Just check out the board tonight, and we'll, I'm sure, keep track throughout the weekend. Uh, But Rivals Camp, I wanted to get to that real quick before we get to football so we don't bore Josh to death. So, Josh, you're going to get to talk now. Um, Big news, though, today on Scott Pagano that we've confirmed, Josh. Yeah, you know, I'm going to talk about this, and I'm going to sound like I'm the one that had this news. I mean, this is this is your show, but, um, you know, really, obviously, Scott Pagano, the Clemson grad transfer, big news for Oklahoma to just get him here because there was news earlier this week that he wasn't going to make it and then he was on again. So there's been a lot of back and forth about that. But, I mean, for those that aren't familiar with him, this is a guy that comes in and, and day one as part of Oklahoma's too deep on the inside with all the needs they have there. He's uh, he's a near perfect fit for them from an experience standpoint and just being a quality player. It's interesting that you know, it. I guess it's just kind of the the times of recruiting, Josh, and that Pagano on Monday or Tuesday, I think, said that he wasn't going to come, and then all of a sudden, Bob's picking him up at the airport. I mean, it just it seems like you can never, and especially I guess it's, he's kind of treating this almost like a like a senior in high school taking visits and getting out there to see different places. And I don't know. It, it just seems odd to me, I guess, is the the point of it. I just, I, I'm trying to figure out what Scott Pagano wants. I mean, like he doesn't want to win a championship. He just did that a year ago. He, I mean, am I right? And Shin brought this up before the show started. Like if he's that good, why not just go to the NFL? I mean, I'm sure he, maybe, 
I can't believe that it's because he really wants to get a you know a master's. No, we, I mean we've never met the grad transfer who's <laughs> looking for a master's, and I don't think we ever will. Well, and that's the thing. It's like when he first when he I was thinking these same things when he first declared, and I was like, well, maybe he's looking for a certain type of graduate school or something. And it's like I wonder if OU has it, but let's face it, there's never been a a kid like that that's that I've heard of that's made a decision based on if you have the right type of grad school. That's why Jeff Baddett, uh his his comments. <laughs> Baddett? Bidet? What? How do you Bidet. say it? Bidet. I think it's it's Bidet. Bidet. It's Bidet. I think it's, I think it's Bidet. That's why he his comments on uh, not being really interested in classes maybe one of the most <laughs> all time like quotes well, for a graduate. You transfer. don't have to be. You I, I think yeah, you literally yeah. have to enroll in three you play hours. the one semester. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I, I mean, I know people who are in charge of graduate schools detest it, but I mean, but that's the, I don't think there's an NCAA rule that says the APR is cons- you know. No, it doesn't th- affect th- it at all. It there's no progress towards your degree when you're a, a, a graduate student. It's beautiful that you can do something like that, and then then the NCAA gets pissed off about other stuff. That's just well, meaningless. It's the college football version of the one and done. I mean, it's the same concept. Like, you're not really worried about school. You just have to do the basics, and then you're on to the next thing anyway. But like Shin said, who is this really hurting? If these guys were really that good, they would just graduate and then go pro. They'd go to the draft. Which, I mean, I think Scott Picano's good. Is he an All-American? No. No. But, I mean, you know, I, I thought there was, you know, and it's it's going to sound funny because of the people listening to this are still pissed at this guy, but Mike Farrell had a pretty good story the other day where he's talking you, about sir. how there's all this fuss over these grad transfers, like the guy that left um, LSU, the quarterback that's now going to North Carolina. I'm going to blank on his name. Um, Brandon Harris? Yeah. Yeah. Like, at what point was Brandon Harris a guy that you're like, boy, you need him on your team? Like, that's a guy that's going to fill in for Mitch Trubisky? No. Like, it's just like these guys leave a big program, and then all of a sudden they're better players than what is clearly on tape. You know, I, we were talking uh, – by the way, somebody put up a drinking game for our podcast. I'm going to I'm gonna have it where everybody drinks. I now. thought you were looking up at it like a No, a, a I'm just I'm looking up in the air. I don't have it posted on the wall. Uh, somebody said you have to take a drink every time I mention that I'm in radio. Uh, but on the, on the show this morning, we were talking to our OSU practice report guy, Mark Cooper from the Tulsa World, and he was talking about how much buzz there is. There is it Tyler Johnson? Is that the receiver that went to OSU from LSU? Uh, yeah, the, Tyron, Tyron Tyron Johnson. Johnson. Mm. And they're talking about how unbelievable he is and this and that. And I thought to myself, like, yeah, but when has LSU ever been good on offense? Like, and I know Odell Beckham is you know one of the best receivers in the NFL. And I can, if there's anybody that's going to suck at LSU or be a pro, you know, anybody that you can give a pass to for not doing well in LSU's offense, it's probably the receiver. But like a quarterback, I mean, I'm, I would never be excited about getting an LSU quarterback ever. I'd never be excited about a guy who's not playing where he's at. Yeah, that's true. And that's, that's the bottom line with a lot. I mean, you know, the, the Bidette guy, yeah. I mean, it looked like one of Kentucky's best receivers last year. But, so, but you know, if you think this guy is truly a difference maker, you're thinking about an NFL player, and he could have just graduated and gone into the draft, and he chose not to. Yeah. Which, Geno Lewis is the same way. I mean, he mm-hmm. wasn't a surefire NFL guy. I, I think just in the fact that you're getting got a guy that – I mean, it certainly is going to help OU, won't it, bringing in a guy like that? Yeah, I mean, they've only got four defensive tackles. 
I mean, is this a situation that he could start from I mean, day I, one? I think he's better right now than Devontae Lampkin and Q Overton. Yeah, it sounds like Lampkin just kind of basing off the of what Mike Stoops has said. It sounds like he needs to spend some time in the weight in the uh, in the in the workout room. Yeah, it's not. There's no. There's no overwhelming praise for Devontae Lampkin. <laughs> Him and uh, Ricky DeBerry, I guess. <laughs> Ricky DeBerry. How do you also. think of that as psychological? <laughs> With like Lampkin, because he's always been super talented. That's always been there. But lazy has always been a problem for him. So, like, even if he's getting to the place they want him to be at, how much do you think is they're like, we're not going to praise him until we're to the finish line? Like, we know, you know, come season, he's going to be ready to go for us. I think there could be a little bit of that, Josh. I, I, I don't think there is because, no? okay. because, and the reason I say that is not even his teammates are like, Oh, you should see Devontae. Yeah. He's looking really yeah. good. Like his teammates will th- those will be guys that would want you to know that he's, you know, doing well. But you don't I mean, did I wasn't with Gallimore the entire time. I don't know if you guys were Eddie, I think you were for quite a while. I don't remember him. He talked when I talked to him, he was praising uh Armani Bledsoe. Uh he was praising um I'm trying to think the the guys that he really talked about. But I mean he didn't bring up Devontae Lampkin at all. When I was over there, he was just talking about his relationship with uh, Calvin Thibodeau, and I think we put it up on the board and just and that. Sounds like, you know, I don't think there's anybody that's not bought in on the defensive line. It's, it's certainly a group that loves their coach as he enters his second year, and I think if he can just – a lot of the board heat will, will slow down once he gets a couple DT commitments that are, I guess, but board the, approval. But the other deal about Lampkin was – what was the first game he played in last year? Uh, I want to say Ohio State he played a little bit. Maybe. No, he had that Tech. suspension, yeah. Te- I think it was Texas Tech. Oh, he had that six-game suspension, yeah. didn't he? I yeah. think Tech was yeah. the first game yeah, that he was. But I, I remember yeah. the first time he steps on the field, all of a sudden you look up and here's his pocket collapsing, which you hadn't yeah. really seen at yeah. all, all I mean, season, you're right. So. You're right. I mean, he's one of these guys, you know, laziness, not practicing well. Is thing. But Shin's right. He's got talent when he comes yeah. into the game. And now, can he do that for four or five plays in a row? Mm. And the other deal is if you still want to play some 3-4 deep defense, you need this big clogging nose tackle to do it. Yeah. And he is perfectly built for that. I, he looks like he has talent. But I'll say this. Before before the season last year, just the way he was in, in preseason camp, there were kind of whispers that they were thinking about moving him to the offensive line. That was before they realized that Ben Powers was as good as he was. So, but no, I mean, back to Scott Pagano, I mean, that would be huge, not only from just a talent standpoint, but a depth standpoint, because they just don't have enough guys. Well, and, and, you know, you need, in this day and age, you realistically need seven guys. I, I mean, it's order to be, to be effective like that against just about anybody. So if, even Especially if, when you're getting into those tech games like last year. Yeah. They're tech, or it sounds like Baylor's not going to be doing that anymore. No. Oklahoma State's going to have the capability of doing it. And yeah, you, you have to have that many guys. Baylor might be making the worst decision that I've ever seen anybody make in the Big 12. Well, I mean, to say, to say I mean, they're not raping women would probably be the first. <laughs> I'm I should say worse than anything they've done to date. <laughs> Welcome to uh, Eddie in the podcast, Shin. <laughs> no limit. Uh, <laughs> oh my! God. Okay, whatever that means. Uh, no limit, soldiers. But to to sit there and say, okay, we're going to go to the Alabama model, which is control the the game. Look, 
maybe that stuff can work against Texas Tech, who has no defense. That's not going to work. That's that's one of those things that I think could get your head kicked in by somebody like Texas, who shouldn't be able to kick anybody's head in. It could it, in the Big Twelve. If you don't have a realistic chance of scoring forty points in every game, you're, you're going to lose probably a couple. You should. Yeah. You shouldn't, and that that's going to you'll be lose there. to Iowa State or somebody like that. Well, you're going to look up, and you're going to be in a bunch of twenty to seventeen games with four minutes left in the game, and if you don't make the plays you have to make in the last four minutes, you're going to lose every it, one of them. It also feels like to do what what they're trying to do, you have to have some badasses at offensive line and defensive line, and yeah, I mean, I, I maybe I'm just not paying attention to what they've been doing in Waco, but it doesn't seem like. They have those guys to be able to do that. What do they have, like 60 guys on scholarship now, Josh? Something like that? Yeah, and, and see, and that's the problem. I've always been a big proponent of OU going to something like this, but that's because OU's got, you know, at any given year, the best or second best personnel in the league. I mean, that's just the way that's going to be. But for Baylor to do this, it's exactly what Eddie's talking about. You're going to have to have the best guys up front, and that's never what Baylor's going to have, and that's why Art Bryles had so much success. Because he negated that. He, he took out the need that our big guys are going to be better than your big guys because he knew they weren't going to be. Uh, okay, I, I got us kind of off track there with the Baylor talk. But we were talking about Scott Pagano coming in, uh, visiting this weekend. Uh, Rivals camp going down in Dallas this weekend. On Sunday, it's been moved indoors, which I don't like because it's going to make our video and photos crappy. Um, but nobody cares about that. Josh, <laughs> Josh, what are some of the highlights that you're looking forward to Sunday at Rivals Camp? Well, we really should have a, a really good group. I mean, obviously, you know, I know everybody at this point knows all the in-state names. Uh, really, with the exception of Bray Walker, who's got some uh, some family things he's tending to. He was planning to go, but I think at the last minute he's going to have to pull out. But, I mean, you look at guys like Ron Tatum, Josh Proctor, uh, Patrick Fields, the OU commitment will be there. Uh, Jalen Redmond will be there. So, I mean, a lot of the intake guys, Bryce Bray, who I saw at the Nike opening camp, taking home the O-line MVP against against Bray Walker uh, and has since picked up that OU offer. So there are a lot of good in-state names. And the thing I'm really excited about uh, is some of the 2019 guys, like Grayson Boomer from Collinsville, Cole Mashburn from Norman North, uh, yeah. The guy that picked up his first offer today, Demarion Houston from Millwood, uh, the 2019 receiver, that I, basically I stood on a table and screamed until Rivals put him in their first 100 for 2019. I think Demarion Houston's really, really good. I'm anxious to see him with some of these guys. But 2019 has a look of a really good group. And a guy that people need to go ahead and learn his name is Andrew Rame. A 2020. That that's right. He was he's just finishing his freshman year of high school. Offensive tackle from Broken Arrow started every game for Broken Arrow this year, and is a guy that you know their head coach. For those that don't know, uh, is a former NFL offensive lineman, played at uh, Tulsa, and he raves about the kid. He thinks he's going to be a great one, so he'll be there. And I want to see how he stacks up, and if he's got a chance to be along those Bray Walker lines, you know, one of those potential five-star kind of guys. Where's this guy play on the line? He's a tackle. He's probably, what I've been told, he's about 6'4", 260 right now as a high school freshman. I mean, he is, you know, and I, it wasn't, the first time I heard from him, that's always one of the good clues for me, is is his coach calling me or is it a coach that saw him 
calling me. And it was somebody that faced him in like week two and was like, Broken Arrow's got a freshman offensive lineman. You've got to see. And you turn on the tape, man. I mean, I think if more schools know about him and, and it wasn't always such a effort of kind of pulling teeth to get in-state guys their first couple of offers, I, I think he'd probably already have a couple. If he was in Dallas, if he was in the Metroplex, he'd already have five, six, seven offers. Seems like he goes along a lot further, too, when you're talking about a guy starting as a freshman at the state's largest 6A high school as opposed to yeah, starting at, does. like, Bethel or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, if I'm telling you guys, oh, he started, you know, at, at Guthrie, well, okay, that's good. But B.A., I mean, there, there's there's always going to be dudes at B.A., and I think, Eddie, you've we've gone there for years. Broken Air does not have any size problems. They <laughs> usually have plenty of big bodies. Why would you piss off 5A? Why don't you, like, you know, go, like, Rush Springs or something? I went Bethel. Oh, Duncan, calm down, Duncan. There's no reason to be like this. So. I'm just saying. I mean, you took a bigger population. You took the former state capital of the of Oklahoma. So I got to be smart about this. D- and as a little uh, Sooner Scoop podcast note, the f- original home of Josh McQuistion was originally born in Guthrie. Really? So, yeah, I, I was I was – Born in, in Oklahoma field? City, but my my parents' home at the time was in Guthrie. Was it so, one of those historic buildings downtown? Yeah, that must have been what drew them. You know that and the the land, so that they could have chows. They have pictures of me as a baby on these gigantic chow chows, which I think is illegal now, but at the time was perfectly fine. What do you think about? I mean, okay, so Fields Kelly, uh, they've committed. The pressure is out there on Proctor. I, I mean, what, tell us about kind of his his path, what you see happening with him moving forward. Josh yeah, Proctor, he, I'm talking about. The become, safety from Owasso. See, yeah, Josh, yeah. I'm for the non-hardcore, <laughs> like I can see Shin's eyes glazing over. <laughs> so I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I always do this with Josh. Not everybody knows everything. <laughs> We've got it. We've got to get all the details. So Josh Proctor, he's a guy. Just a, an aside story. You sent me out to like a Westmore scrimmage one time, and that was the first time I saw Josh Proctor. Eddie, were you out there with me too? Yes. Yeah. I think you both and, went. Yep. And uh, when we, we couldn't, we didn't know who he was, or and Josh was just like, "You'll figure it out." Yeah. And so we go out there and see this gigantic specimen of a human being just standing above everyone else. And we're like, oh, well, that's probably like, you know, an offensive lineman or something that's 200 pounds. And then he goes out there and lines up as, as a safety. I don't know. Maybe he was playing some receiver. I can't remember. And, but we saw him move around. I was like, oh, okay, that's that kid. And from that moment on, that was what, three years ago, two years ago? I think he was going into his freshman year. Uh, it was like the summer in between eighth grade and freshman, maybe. Yeah. And he he was our he was our sophomore of the year, right, Josh? For, for he was Scoop. he was. And you know, ever since then, I saw him at the the rivals camp last year, and I watched him, and he was just kind of timid. Like you could tell, he didn't know if he belonged in a place like that. Uh, but he's from Owasso. He's a safety. Uh, OU has known him even before we went out there at that Westmore scrimmage. But that's the kid we're talking about. Go, Josh. <laughs> Uh, you know, we should have a conversation with John afterwards. If guys like myself, like where we rank in comparison to the chain mail guys, of the medieval fair, like that, that have <laughs> my sad knowledge base of high school recruiting. Yeah, um, but I don't get the sense but, you're dressing up for this. So <laughs> it's probably they both probably have the same interest in uh, little boys' hips, though. 
<laughs> oh, I wish that wasn't true, Eddie. I wish I could get upset about that, but it just it is what it is. No, um, anyway, so uh, with, with Josh Proctor, yeah, I think he's become probably as interesting as any guy in the state because I think with Ron Tatum and Jalen Redmond, you kind of feel like OU's out in front. They're probably in good shape. With Josh Proctor, I think Ohio State's a very real threat. He went up there and visited actually uh, right before our uh, national underclassmen combine in Atlanta last year, kind of somehow on the route to Atlanta. He went through Columbus, Ohio. I don't really know how that works, but uh, he made the trip there. I think he really liked it. Ohio State's after him very hard, and I think with all the success of Urban Meyer, that's definitely caught his eye. But I don't think there's any question that I, if there was one coach that you said, who do you have the best relationship with, I think he would tell you Kerry Cooks. I, they talk a lot. There's a very strong bond there. And I think he feels as though, uh, really like a lot of these in-state kids the last couple of years, that Oklahoma wants them there, that there's something special they can do as kind of a group, and they know each other. He and Pat Fields are good friends. So there's a lot that works there. And I think if you had to pick right now, you'd probably pick Oklahoma. But I bet you Josh Proctor will take at least two or three official visits. He'll look around. He just doesn't strike me at all as a kid that's in a hurry. Any any kid that will be there that you really want to talk to just because you think he could commit soon to OU? The one I think is really interesting, and it's probably because I didn't get a chance to talk to him at um, the Nike camp, and that's Daryl Simpson, the big offensive lineman that's been to OU half a dozen times already, is very familiar as a guy that Bill Bedenboe offered not too terribly long after he offered Bray Walker, and it's always seemed like for Bray to be their future left, they want Daryl to be their future right tackle, and I think that's kind of what you're looking at. So I, I'm interested to see him talk to him a little bit. Uh, there's been some talk, some rumors that OU is maybe approaching getting a commitment from him. I don't know how valid that is. Cause like I said, I haven't talked to him in a little while. So I, I just kind of want to take his temperature, see where he's at. And I think, um, I think he could be one of the more interesting stories coming out of the camp. Eddie, anybody in particular that you haven't seen in person that you're really looking forward to seeing? Uh, probably HD lens on a couple of those 2019 kids. Probably. I mean, I just think that, you know, we've seen Mashburn do really well against six, a competition as a sophomore. I'd like to see him against. Yeah. That'll be pretty cool. Getting to see him go against real offensive line. I mean, he's six a, so yeah. I mean, he was really good. I thought in the state final yeah. last year. No, I mean, he was, he was, he was really good against uh union both times they played him. You know, he's a guy that's so young. Like I, Kind of because we know JD so well, and you're around the program and stuff. I mean, it's just I don't think he realizes how good he is or can be. Like, I don't think. I mean, this is I was kind of talking about Proctor. You know, it was kind of looked like he was in a shell a little bit last year at that thing. Like, I wonder how Cole will handle that because I he's not like he's not at that meathead stage yet. I mean, like Shin knows no. this. Like, you know all. All defensive linemen and offensive linemen, no matter how old they get, they're all kind of they're all kind of mm-hmm. meatheads still. So most of they them, just yeah. stay in that they stay in meathead form for the rest of their lives to some extent. I think you have to drink your like first thirty <laughs> rack of natty lights before you can actually become a full meathead. So I think Cole is, is really kind of still developing into a very aggressive football player. I guess is a nice way of saying it. Uh, yeah. And Demario on Houston, I just want to see him just in the fact that I only saw him that one for that one half against Millwood, 
And uh, then I hopped over to the 6A title game. But it was like I left, and I think uh, Adair was up like 10-3. to 3, And then after I left, it sounds like Millwood took over as Demarion Houston scored like four touchdowns in that semifinal game. So I really want to see him play uh, against really good competition. Any? Uh, let me ask you this, Josh. Um, I don't want to – I mean, there's no panic involved. I mean, I think we've all talked about the Cameron Rising thing. Any 2018 quarterbacks you'll keep an eye on that could be a plan B for OU down there? None that I really have planned. Like I said, I, you know, and, and I always go back to it, but with Cameron Rising, I just don't, I may, and maybe it'll be to my, you know, own peril down the line. I just don't think there's a lot of concern there. I, I think, I think Cameron's pretty aware that something could happen. And I think that's why he's taking some of these trips. But the bottom line is, as long as Lincoln Riley is the offensive coordinator, I don't see him going anywhere. And by the time Lincoln Riley could move on, I don't think it's an issue. So, no, I mean, there's not really anybody there I'll be watching. Now, there's some 2019 guys, you know, for that next class. Grant Gunnell, that's already one of the favorites to be one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the entire country. He'll be there camping. So, I mean, there's some guys like that that are worth watching. It's kind of time for Lincoln to get his 2019 quarterback. Is he running behind at this point? Well, I mean, you think about it. Last year, about this time, was when you started COU move in that direction. And well, I guess Robinson was at their satellite camp. He committed mm-hmm. shortly after that. Well, but that was in it going into his junior year. Yeah, that's right. So I mean that. Yeah. So I mean, and Rising took his visit. Let's see. I want to say he came la- around camp last year, sometime in like June or July, if I remember right, and then committed in. I think that was. November, December, something like that. So, I mean, you know, maybe more like October, somewhere in that ballpark. But, I mean, he's been committed for six months now. So, it it is. I mean, it's about that time to start looking at 2019 and deciding which direction they want to go. All right. uh, Well, Rivals Camp coming up over the weekend. Uh, Eddie, be there. Joe's going to be down there taking pictures. By the way, we we gave Joe the day off to replace him with uh, Shin. He was actually a little under the weather today. So, yeah. he, we will be sending nurses to his house to make sure he's ready to go for the weekend. Uh, by the way, Eddie is in another wedding this weekend. No, it's just a shower. What's the difference? Yeah. Well, the wedding. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't I be making. Women, only women go to showers. Are there well, groom showers now? No, it's like a, it's a couple shower, I think. So, but I, if there, if it was a wedding, who are you week, taking with you? Nobody. If it was a wedding weekend, it would. I would not be making the Sunday. Rivals camp. We'll just put it that way. What do you do with your plus ones for weddings? Uh, usually drink for them. <laughs> <laughs> if you invite me to your wedding, you know what you're getting. <laughs> a man who's going to have too much to drink and try and take over the DJ. So what you're saying is yeah. there's always a bunch of women at these going asking their husbands, is Eddie coming? Yeah. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> right. That's right. usually the way it goes. Yeah, well. Eddie, the Eddie is that, that guy is, in his group. He's yeah, not going to be sure. smoking is, cigarettes inside, is he? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. The good thing about that, though, is you can, you know, if you're annoying, then women will try and set you up with women, so you you'll have someone, so this, they won't be repeating this at your other friends' weddings or events and stuff in the future. To so reel you back in in the future. Yep. Yeah. Sounds good to me. 
I, I had a buddy that literally had to escort another one of our buddies from his own wedding. Like, another, <laughs> oh my like, god! It, it was. I mean, like, this is my close group of friends, and one of them just got a little belligerent, and his wife, you know, it's her wedding night. She's having her great time, and she's like, "You need to tell him to leave. Like, he has to go." And so, like, he had to get a ride home, like, because I mean, he was just in no shape to drive. It was. It was a little uh, ugly there between the uh, the guys and the girls in the group for a little bit. It I've never uh, I don't think I've ever had that problem at least that I can mm-hmm. recall or know of. Eddie, like I don't you don't strike me as the guy that's going to get loud and boisterous and be a problem. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I'm your, not, your I'm not problems gonna be a problem. are going to be deceptive. Like, I'm not going to be a problem. Like, yeah, you, you're going to hit on a bride like the bride's sister or something. Like you're you're going to go in that direction. I usually try to focus on the bride's mom. <laughs> you're who who is a, your shit break i don't know who that is from american pie he's oh. the one that oh he's yeah, the yeah, one yeah. that went after stifler's mom yeah 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 you comfortable with that uh yeah i don't do the uh i don't i don't know if i'm up with the uh the kama sutra shit that he did in the uh like up in the, like with the japanese book and all that stuff in american yeah. pie one uh, by the way, Cameron Rising, August seventh was his commitment date. Okay. Okay. Yep. Now, yeah. see, you remember that, but like, there's some stuff, Carrie, that you just remember. It seems to stick in your brain, like, because you're always like, he committed quickly thereafter. And in my head, it was a while between. I don't know why. I always feel like it was. Uh, that's according months, to our it, database. That could be totally wrong. So. Oh no, I, I I mean, you know, for for whatever problems the rivals database can have. I think that's usually fairly accurate, so I think you can trust that. And there have been um, there have been some uh, omissions in the rivals database here recently. Oh, Eddie, is this, is this time for airing of the grievances? Let's hear him. Well, I just I don't understand why Deji Kareem was put down as Putnam oh, City West. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Do you think that somebody went in there and specifically did that? that Maybe to piss you off and Maybe. other and he might have been a, a PC West graduate. I think say, but who would who would have the access that would that would choose to do something like that? You think this was an inside job by Josh McQuistion is what you're saying? (laughs) I'm not saying, but I'm saying. I I can honestly say I wish I would have taken credit for it, and kind of now I wish I would have flipped Sam and then been like, I don't know what the hell happened. Yeah, because you know it took him like it was the fastest query ever to go to Sam Bradford to make sure he was PC North. I have it as my home screen, so I, I would have known. And Do I think, to, and by the way, I think you guys can uh, drink now because I just mentioned that. I feel like there are so many things that we need to explain to John Shin about this podcast, like Eddie's truther stuff. Eddie's well, a John, truther. I hope you're aware of two things, and it's that one, Stevie Wonder has been able to see for a <laughs> long, long time, and two, the Earth could be flat. The Earth could be flat. Now it's could be. Could be. It could be. It used to be was. It, yeah, well, is it because of all the ridicule that Kyrie Irving and Shaq have taken? No, it it just there's been some yeah, some no, omissions and noted scientists right there. Yeah, but there's there's some different things that have have come up that uh, would lead me to believe that there's a possibility the Earth could be round. Other things, uh, we we love Laney visits. On the podcast, that's Josh's daughter. We have any anything in store for that today, Josh? Are you going to try and make her talk? No, like I said, I, I am not sure. Uh, there was some damage done last time <laughs> when she, she came in here and to walk into because I sit in my office and when she walks through the doorway, 
she kind of she can kind of see me, but I'm behind my desk, and so she comes around, and that's about the time you guys heard her, and she looks at me, and she's smiling, and she's happy to see me, and then it was just like all of a sudden her face just went dark, like she was she was like I don't know what the <laughs> hell that is. I, you look like an alien. I'm not coming. We couldn't get her to come back in here after the podcast was just over. Just because you're wearing headphones and have the microphone. Yeah, she just didn't care for that look at all. And I, it is. I've just got a pair of you know over the ear headphones and my mic in my hand, and that's that's it. Well, just think when there's nothing. Well, that's what you really want out of a podcast. You make some people laugh and you traumatize a child. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like I said, there. I, I have a method of parenting. It's called poor parenting. So. Um, I uh, I try to do as little as possible, and it seems to make her a better kid. So I, it's working out well so far. Picture that meme of that kid that walks into a room and immediately turns back around. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, walks like, into that's like what, a that's room. That's what Lainey's going to look like when she walks in on Josh and Tiffany trying to make kid number two. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily she can't open life. doors yet, so we're 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 safe. But um, that that fear does go through my mind the the trauma that is inevitable. All right. Uh, anything else you guys want to hit on recruiting? You want to move to uh, OU football, present day, spring spring football? Uh, well, let's. It's it's John Shin's time to shine now. Uh, as uh, I know, he's been you know he's been doing a great job. Uh, stories have been fantastic, John. That you've been writing for us. Um, I'll say this just to kind of start things out. I think I don't know if it's if it's hope or what, but. I thought it was interesting when we had defense uh, availability the other day. And I kind of heard this after their kind of mini scrimmage that they had, the first one. But you can tell, like, the defense still is pretty embarrassed by the overall season that they had a year ago. And just from what they've seen athletically, they I think they're excited that they're getting more players in the program that can keep them from being so embarrassed. Well, I mean, when you look back on last season, that was a bad defensive team up until the beginning of November. And then something something changed. Yeah, they got their asses handed to them in Lubbock. Yeah, well, I mean, it was Lubbock and then Texas, you know, Texas and TCU. I mean, it was just – there were a lot of – you know, go all the way back to Ohio State and Houston. I mean, there were just some embarrassing performances in there. But something changed in them in November, and the, I think – it's like you say, I do think they're getting more athletic, but I, I also think mentality-wise, something has finally clicked in with them. With its, it may be tech. some attitude, maybe. Well, I mean, I mean, just that it's you know you don't have to accept that you have to give up six touchdowns to whoever you play in the Big Twelve. And you know what else is like? I think when Caleb Kelly emerging like he did, mm-hmm. kind of lets them see like, okay, we have a five star on our team. Like we have a legitimate badass. Like this is what. Alabama has and now we have one of these guys and I think they kind of rally around that a little bit yeah and I, I think when you add in the fact that you know as much as they say that they don't pay attention to who they're recruiting and out there getting I think when you bring in a five-star and then all of a sudden he's starting by game what was it eight or nine mm-hmm. it's like I need to get my shit Should've together I'm not gonna be game two sons of bitches well I mean but that's but one of the other deals about Kelly is you know you don't need four linebackers when you're playing Texas Tech it's yeah. you know part of the part of the deal with him. Then it got a little bit lucky when it got in November. Oklahoma State was running the ball more, meant he could play more, and you know Baylor was running the ball more, meant he could play more. And then that that everything kind of clicked in for him. And then you go play Auburn in the bowl game, and that's a game Taylor made for. Him. Yeah. Well, and 
you know, I think the secondary, it, that wasn't really the problem. But getting pressure on the quarterback, I think it's smart what they're doing mm-hmm. uh, because they were getting no interior pressure on the quarterback at all. I mean, you look at even tackles for loss, disrupting a play. There was none of that going on up front. And I still don't think they're talented enough to, to make a ton of plays up there. I mean, they might just be gapping themselves into bigger gaps. I mean, for, for I mean, like Ohio State, what they did to them was embarrassing. It was just and that's what happens when you try and have Will Johnson play linebacker. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. they figure that out. But they're not they're still not supremely talented on the defensive line. No, and I, I think that's why, you know, when you think about a Scott a Scott Pagano coming in, he would certainly help them, but they're still not there. They're still not where they need to be. And, you know, I, I feel like a broken record talking about it, but just the lack of pressure, when you go back to that Texas Tech game even, uh, their inability to get Mahomes down on the ground, probably you add in about, I, don't, I, I wish I knew what the exact number was. I'd have to think it's over 250 yards in the air after he scrambled around and just found a guy open. There's only so long that you can oh, at cover least, a guy. Yeah, I mean, it, maybe, just, maybe 400 yards. The thing I remember about Texas, they would get – one guy would get initial pressure and then whiff, and there was nobody else around. Right. And then you have all these – you know, he's getting to spend six seconds looking for a guy, and, you know, you, you don't have to be that good a quarterback to pick somebody apart doing that. The thing – I mean, and the thing is, you know, you, you don't get a Marvin Wilson. You don't get the big name at defensive tackle that can come and help – so, I mean, Pagano would be huge from that perspective. Because, Josh, don't you think all the guys on the defensive line they signed just need a year? Yeah, you know, I think if there was – we've talked a little bit about it. I think Troy James is the one guy that probably, if they had to, he could probably come in and, and play a role. Uh, kind of like they were using Amani Bledsoe last year, just as a, a spot guy to give you guys you know, some time to rest, that kind of thing. But, yeah, I mean, you look at Tyrese Lott, Zach McKinney, you kind of go down. Uh, Isaiah Thomas clearly needs a year. Um, they're they're guys that have potential. You know, Mike Stoops raved about how talented uh, you know Isaiah Thomas is, but Isaiah Thomas is going to show up and probably weigh less than Kenneth Murray does right now. So I mean, that kind of tells you where he's at, and he's got a big frame and he'll fill out, but he needs time to do it. And the, this is just not a group of guys. And this is why a lot of these guys were either lower four stars or three stars. Because they had to be about projection. They weren't guys that were just going to plug and play and, and be ready to go. So, uh, yeah, I don't think there's any question these guys need a, you know, a step up. And, Kerry, to your point about last year, how much things changed, I was looking at the numbers. In 2015, they had 90 tackles for loss. Last year, it dropped to 68. I mean, that, that's just that changes the script of an offense completely when you're making that many fewer plays. Well, here's the other thing, too, and I think – I think offenses were able to adjust to this basically kind of like Eric Strike. Eric Stry- they they spent 2 3 years you know knowing that Oklahoma used Eric Stryker a certain way and then they used Oboe the same way. And look, he's a really good player. I mean, he's probably I'd say Okoronko is probably their third best player on defense behind uh Kelly and uh probably put Steven Parker up there because I just think he's very uh, second or third uh, but it's going to really help him having somebody else on the other side that is not really on the defensive line but a rush edge guy like DJ Ward when he was when he was on the line of scrimmage last year he wasn't the other defensive end even though it looked like it 
they never had a rush edge guy on that other side. So teams could just roll away from Obo Karankwo if they wanted to. I mean, that's what that you go back and look at that tech game. That's all that Mahomes did was roll out to his to his right, away yeah. from where Obo was. Well, if you only got one pass rusher, it's pretty easy to scheme around that. Yeah. Unless you got that one passer is like Lawrence Taylor or something like that. But I, I mean, yeah, you're right, and they need to get more pressure up the middle. They can't. They can't just let these easy pockets and easy rollouts continue. I guess that's where like a guy like Mark Jackson comes into play this year. Maybe. But I mean, like Kenneth Murray. I mean, like you mentioned. I mean, you get an eleven guy, so it's probably going to take away some of your surprise element in the fall. But he's probably that that one guy that's going to end up being the home run of this class. Yeah, I mean, it just sounds like everybody... The guy that maybe didn't know or expected out of him. Yeah, I mean, everybody seems to talk about him as the guy, certainly in this early enrollee group, that will benefit the most from coming in. I mean, outside of that, it's going to have to be like a Rambo or a, a Lamb. With Murray, that is the best and fastest freshman 15 I've ever seen. Like, I saw him multiple times. You know, he's a Houston area kid. I got to cover him a lot down here. I never saw him and thought he was more than 215 pounds. And now, like, and I saw the 230 stuff. I was like, no way. That can't be right. And then I saw the video, the Scoop HD and the pictures. He looks 230. I mean, he looks huge. And I don't know what happened. I don't know where, how, what, you know, what good Nate or what um, good situation he fell into, but he looks great. No, he does. He's got long arms. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he doesn't have bad weight that I can tell. Yeah. Was, yeah. I haven't seen him in the shower or anything. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll wait on the videos for that. They should be up by next week. <laughs> the, that's the one thing, though, that when you were talking to uh, Mike on uh, Wednesday about Kerry, was just in that when, you, when he watches practice, when you just go out there and look at the guys that they've brought in these last couple of recruiting classes, they're different than what they have been just physically. And when you throw in a Kenneth Murray, when you throw in an Addison Gums, uh, even Trey Sermon to, a, a, I guess, a point. Yeah. They're they're bigger physically. They look like they sh- they I mean, look Addison's like not near a finished product. I mean, no, he's no. still skinny and long. But they're they're getting, like, a lot longer at linebacker right. than yeah. they had in pre— I mean, there's there's no Dominique Alexanders in there. There's not that six-foot— Safety turn to linebacker. Yeah. yeah. Those guys aren't in there. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean— Like, they, John Michael Terry's a big, tall dude. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it's kind of that Jordan Evans model of, you know, long, lanky guy. Get, when in doubt, get the long, lanky guy. Yeah. It's a lot easier to turn that guy that's already athletic and add weight, I would think, than, than the opposite of you know bringing that safety in, turning him into a middle linebacker, and then hoping he grows two inches and gains 50 pounds. See, with his last comment, Shin's ready to cover recruiting, man. He's ready to go. That, that was it right there. <laughs> but, I mean, the other deals we talk about this, I, you know, I've, I've talked about this a lot. In OU's schedule, the linebacker has to be the roughest spot to find guys because you need a 245-pound guy when you play Ohio State and when you play Kansas State and then when you play Tech, you'd probably be better off with a 215-pound guy Yeah, playing those spots. And we all they can know backpedal. That, yeah, and we all know that you can't do that. So, I, I mean, I, it seems like more and more that's, that is their hardest spot to project, what you're going to need on a, more often than not. That's why guys like Nick Saban were so, you know, and Brett Bielma, that's why they hate playing against up-tempo teams. Yeah. Because they can't well, – 
I mean, Alabama could do that, but they're the only ones that could. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, I think they're all right if they go up against like Auburn up tempo. Who's you know, it's up tempo, but they're still, but still a run, yeah. primarily a run game. But when you got a when you got four receivers out there all the time, although you know what, I'm gonna say Jarrett Stidham's gonna f some s up. <laughs> At Auburn. Auburn's quarterback. I mean, he's going to piss off some defensive coordinators around that league. Because, look, I say what you want about Malzahn. I think the guy can coach. I mean, he can coordinate an offense. And that guy, that kid is good. Did, I mean, look at what he took Auburn to the Sugar Bowl last year. Look at that offense. Oh, it was terrible. That was a dumpster fire of talent. There yeah, was but, nothing there. But the SEC was also, outside of Alabama, a dumpster that's fire true. of a league last year. Yeah, You're right. Was. You're right. That I mean, that's absolutely true. But, I mean – the, did you, uh, the thing that caught me, and I talked about it in a, one of our podcasts right after the bowl game, was people were saying, Cameron Petway has already announced he'll be returning to Auburn for his next year. What planet did you think that guy was going to the NFL this that year? Dude, like, I mean, that dude it, is... He made that guy a thousand yard back. That dude is the worst tailback I've seen play in a football game. Like He could be a great fullback. I mean, he, he might be a fullback in the NFL... That dude could not turn his hips and run in a different direction if you put him like in Forrest Gump's legs. I mean, it was like, it was awful. Yeah, he, I mean, he just, yeah. He, he had just, absolutely no sideward mobility. No, it, it, which makes you even more, I mean, we kind of thought last year that the SEC was so terrible because of the lack of quarterbacks, but wasn't a very good defensive league either last year. And that, you know, a guy like that putting up that kind of numbers kind of proved it. Well, I, you know, Shin, I mean, you've you've worked on a lot of stories so far uh, this spring. Spring game coming up next weekend. Um, I'm curious, just kind of offensively, any anything that's really stood out to you, and especially, you know, receivers trying to lock in new guys there. I know you did a really good article on Jeffrey Meade talking about the deep ball. But, uh, you know, running backs, wide receivers, I mean, that's really the big story this spring, isn't it? Yeah, and the fact that outside of Rodney Anderson, you have a bunch of running backs you don't need to protect. I'm kind of interested to see what it's going to mean in the spring game. You've got a little bit more depth than they've usually had. I mean, do they And an some, offensive line that can blow open some holes for you. Yeah, and, and a defensive line that clearly needs work. I mean, how much do you let them bang away at each other a little bit more than you have in the past? <laughs> My favorite part of the week was – uh, Bob Seuss just pretty much shitting all over the spring game. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah we're going to have this on Saturday for the fans, but the main scrimmage, the one that we're going to get everything out of it for the spring, that's going to be the week after, yeah. and we'll be close to the media. Well, I mean, I, I guess they've settled up in on this date. You know, Masters weekend, OU's going to have a public scrimmage, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, maybe it said more that this is a the, – the spring game date is more a marketing – department decision than a football decision well yeah they've, they've settled in on the second saturday yeah. in april for some reason it's i don't disgusting. know why and eddie is going to go on a rampage about it well it just doesn't make sense why everybody should spend their master saturday when half of the country <laughs> is spending their day drinking and watching the masters at masters parties across you have all day sunday to do that Masters, not, not a Masters doesn't begin till the back nine on sunday eddie it well it does for the saturday festivities <laughs> when friends are throwing masters parties i guess eddie if it was another saturday would it just be a th there's a baseball game on saturday party no it'd be that, that feels like a good excuse just to have a party it's kind of like the kentucky derby i mean there's there's certain reasons to throw a day party and that is one of them all right well i'm not going to judge i've had world cup parties and you know i know you got you wouldn't throw that party so i'm not going to judge your masters parties you'll get home in plenty of time 
Maybe. Hey, one thing I wanted you wanna, to ask you want me Eddie, to pay for an Uber? Boy, you, see, you just start drinking as soon as you get out of the press conference. Uh, no, I might just drink at the press conference. <laughs> I'll give you ten bucks. You wear a green jacket. <laughs> I have a green jacket. <laughs> I do have one of those. But the the receivers, Shin. I mean, I look. They got the Jeff Bidette kid. I still. I mean, they're in trouble if Marquise Brown can't be a, at least a starter for them, don't you think? I don't know if he's got to Unless be a, Michael Jones steps up or something. I find it hard. You know, they keep talking about, you know, the, the, the strength of the group is, is the group, not one standout guy. That never works. I mean, when I was talking to me. When, when has this offense ran when you don't have a standout guy? Yeah. Right? Now, uh, you know, last year we had, we had no idea D.D. Westbrook had that in him. But it also, you know, it took a month for him to, to really get going. And you know what else? Just like that Auburn game, they had when they had Joe Mixon to kind of cover uh-huh. up for some of that stuff and, yeah, and be a little a outlet deal. and stuff. Yeah. He covered up a lot of issues that they had by not having a deep receiving core last year. They're not going to have that next year. That's just, I guess, where you have to have a guy like a, you know, I've, I've kind of bought in with Mark Andrews. I don't, he's definitely not going to be the guy that beats anybody over the top. But at the same time, I mean, can they, can Baker Mayfield not engineer an offense to just nickel and dime everybody? Or do they have to have a guy that spreads everything out? Or do they just play bigger next year? Do they make Mark Andrews and Dimitri Flowers, you know, are they on the field 75% of the time as opposed to, 40 and 50 and do they just run the ball and try to play action off of it is that where they're hinting at throwing everything at grant calcaterra during the spring to see if he can handle that type of <laughs> workload seriously I, look i don't think i lincoln riley's really had to i don't know it, it's not that it's been difficult but at times he is he's had they've had to fight him to get him to to run it more on offense i mean that first year after they lost to Texas, and you realize, like, boy, you just Baker got sacked all those times, and they had no run game, and you just turned it into a you know a seven on seven game, and it was terrible. And like after that, then the, he finally started utilizing the run game this last year, and he started going to the two back sets with mm-hmm. Mixon and P Ryan at the same time, and that worked really well. Um, I mean, he's evolved a lot as a coach. I don't think he's evolved to the point where he's ready to just be like Gus Malzahn's offense that we saw last year where you barely throw. You've got Baker Mayfield. You've got to throw the ball. But, I mean, he's not going to have Baker Mayfield out there running it anymore. Well, no, that's what I'm just just saying. They're not going to go, you know, big heavy. I mean, they're going to throw. They'll go down with Jeffrey Meade and, um, you know, Dahu Green and Marquise Brown, whoever. I mean, Mike Hill, they'll go down with those guys before they just make it the Dimitri Flowers, Mark, you know, Mark Andrews show. I think there's a better chance of at least one of one of those three big guys, whether it be Meade, Dahu, or A.D. Miller, having a better year than all three of them just sucking. Well, and I'm leaving out the Bidette kid, you know, kid too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could be a he could. I mean, if those guys really suck, he'll start next year. Yeah, and and you know they had they had a hell of a wide receiver recruiting class coming in. So yeah, Lamb and, and I, I uh, mean, Rambo. You got to figure they'll fa- fa- you, you got to figure those guys aren't redshirting. But I mean, one of the best young receivers I'd ever covered, I thought was Malcolm Kelly, 
it wasn't like he could instantly come in and just be a huge factor. It took him half the season. Yeah. And a shitty Kansas team in Arrowhead Stadium before he actually What was the first year you started covering the team, Shin? Oh four. Oh four. So that was your second year on the beat. Then. Yeah, but you know, the I'll say this in Kelly's defense. I mean, Rep Bomar was not Sam Bradford in terms of accuracy. No. He threw he threw a he, I mean, threw a gorgeous ball, but it was he was not ready at that point to run any kind of you know, ball control passing offense. And he didn't get to start that season. You know, he didn't get all the reps and the, you know, he was in a quarterback competition with Paul Thompson. Working too hard. But I mean, but Malcolm Kelly, it took him a while to to be in it. And he was a big, tall, rangy Mm -hmm. receiver that was more talented than most people. So I'm not saying it can't happen. I mean, Kenny Stills played as a true freshman and picked it up, I almost want to say easily, for a true freshman anyway. I mean, he was a... He was a big factor as a freshman, and you don't see that very often. He might be the the best ever. I mean, the numbers I'm sure back it up. I think we've had this discussion before. Like he is, he is your number one true freshman impact player at wide receiver for Bob Stoops. Probably, and but like the Mark thing, Clayton redshirted. But but the thing I remember about Kenny Stills is at no point were they asking him to be the number one receiver. He yeah, never really asked him to do that until Broyles got hurt at yeah. the end of that season. And Malcolm Kelly was asked to be the number yeah. one receiver. Yeah, yeah, for almost from the get. I mean, because when Kelly came in, they, I mean, they were depleted at receiver from what they had lost from '03 and '04. It was they'd a, lost Mark Clayton, uh, Brandon uh, Jones, and Brandon Jones. Uh, what's his name? Fumble, uh, fumble, Mark fumbler, Bradley. Mark Bradley. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just a different deal. All right. Uh, I think we're uh, we're good on the podcast for today. Um, Josh, good luck in Dallas. Keeping Eddie and Joe uh, under wraps. Joe, if you're listening, get better. See, I think Joe thinks I'm the heartless bastard because I just don't ever talk to him. Like when he's here, which is probably not good. Eddie can tell you this. Shin can tell you this. Though. I'm just not a talker. Like If there's nothing to talk about, I just don't say anything. It's not that I don't like you. It might be that I make you... I think that I everyone might, thinks you're the main one. I, I think that's Between shit. us, I think everyone has this impression that you're the bad guy, and I would readily say you're probably a nicer and better person than I am. I just put on a better show. Yeah, you are kind of fake. A little bit fake. Yeah, there's some fakeness there for sure. Shin, it was good having you on the uh, first podcast. Good to be here. On our In our beautiful... Uh, Beautiful Sooner Scoop Studios, surrounded by my hoarder lifestyle. The motherboard. Mothership. Mothership. Did you say shit just to say shit because it's the end of the podcast? No, I said ship. Okay. Shin, you didn't get to say shit today. Do you want to say shit? No, I'll, I'll, I'll save the cursing for future days. We bleep F, Fs, though. Joe's the only one to actually drop an F-bomb <laughs> on the show, which was a total upset. Yeah. Like if yeah. anybody was ever going to drop an f bomb, it wasn't going to be the guy with a man bun. Well, I thought that was the whole deal of podcasts. I mean, there were no rules. Yeah, but we got to we we have our own standards, rules inside the rules. It's an unwritten rule. It's like a baseball game. There's like sons of pastors that listen to this and stuff. And those are the those are the crazy ones. <laughs> sons of pastors. Those were always the wild kids at my school. No doubt. Well, bleeping it's just as funny as hearing it live. So, <laughs> <laughs> all 
All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Unofficial 40. Yes, we did get one in this week. Uh, I thought Josh had a little bit of yell talking today when he got going on his recruiting. Oh, no. Uh, we give Josh a hard time about yell talking. Um, I hope everyone out there is drinking accordingly. That's part of the game. Yeah, I want to play Shin some of the yell talking stuff before we get out of here. Just <laughs> while you're while you're getting that set up, I implore everybody to uh, go ahead and do some due diligence and check out the Coastal Carolina cheerleading story. Uh, it's interesting. I think this is recycled. I thought. That oh, that, really? I don't know. So here's a little bit of Josh yell talking. When my brother lived in Oklahoma City, we would go to Norman. And every time this I went to Norman West, really to and maybe that's what it was. But you were saying before we started, this is the first time for you in a while that it's kind of felt real. Why? Well, I think because the two major parties, which you know, I think we all accept, are the Big 12 decision makers. Texas. See, like he gets in his car and he's on his. Do you think you were on your Bluetooth at that point, Josh? Probably. And, I, you know, what is the protocol on that? I'm never sure if, I, if I'm supposed to just go straight to my phone and take the Bluetooth off. Or if on it's radio, better. I, I don't it's, know which it's, is which. you don't want to be on Bluetooth because it can lead to really horrible sounding audio. Okay. But you were on a okay. podcast. I knew, I knew you'd have a take. Uh, and so we said that reminds us of something, Josh. How dare you! I have a rela- voice-related medical condition. I suffer from voice immodulation. I'm unable to control the pitch or volume of my voice. Also known as Van Orten syndrome, VI is a recognized psychomedical condition that you may have read about in Newsweek or Cracked magazine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, and I don't know, Josh, do you think that now that we've shamed you that you're not yell-talking anymore when you do interviews? I'm think better it still happens? because I, I, I'm more mindful of it, and it really—it's not a. I, I don't. I don't. I don't like. I, I. You talk to me in person. I'm not like that in person. I'm not particularly loud or anything like that. I just get on a roll, and I. I don't know if I just build to a crescendo or what it is, but I just you zone always out. seem to get you louder. Zone out. I don't know. It's like when you go to your database in your head, and you have to start pulling out these names of kids. It's like mm-hmm. even boring for you. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes. Kind of like uh, when you do it like this. What What is interesting about it is that the two seem, you know, and it's all reading tea leaves because obviously Oklahoma and Texas are very keen. I mean, that was on our podcast. Like, you were among friends and you were just yelling. <laughs> See, now, here's the other thing that Shen doesn't know. I can't hear any of these. Yeah, I know. We screwed so up the thing. I don't know what you're talking about. See, like, Josh can't hear this right here. I'll tell you what's not fair. Imagine being at a high school dance, singing along with everyone else, and a little bit softer now, and a little bit softer now, and a little bit softer now. But see that what's great, Josh, is now you can go back and listen, and you'll it'll be like you not you know it's going to be new to you. You won't you won't know what was done. Well, see, and I've always wanted to have this conversation. I think I'm the only one of the four of us. I listen to this every week. Like, I go back and listen, like, every time. I, I think That's I'm the only one that does. After you get done, will you please rate and subscribe to uh, Soonerscoop.com? Yes, do that. Or to the podcast. And uh, give a – maybe Josh is the one that's always complaining. Maybe he's getting new iTunes accounts <laughs> and Just complaining has like a on our them. reviews about you should let Josh talk more. I, I think we know that's not the case. I know my Either that or Tiffany's doing it. Now that I would believe. 
Like, or it's she your, gets on the board sometimes, and I'm a little – I have to kind of pull her back from, you know, going off on people. I have uh, buddies at the local music store that are huge Josh fans. And they uh, uh, they want me to pass along messages to Josh every time I go there. One of my best friends listens to the podcast and is always like, man, you guys are all – like, he loves Eddie. Eddie's his guy. I think he all even right. if he liked me, he could never give me <laughs> the buy credit. Some Eddie's his guy. Should we make some Eddie t-shirts? Yeah. Let's do it. If we make you sign like a waiver. Print them up. That we have power attorney over uh, power of attorney over your life. Talk to my lawyers. Well, and, and how what, will this impact his uh, mayoral run? <laughs> uh, my lawyer is my uh, roommate, so. Okay. <laughs> Eddie's, Eddie signs over his merchandising rights for like a sandwich. <laughs> if, I, if I was hungry enough, I might do it. Like a really and like drunk a, enough, like a, like a just a decent sub, like yeah. a New York steamer at uh, those those are firehouse. It, that'd definitely be better than a Cleveland steamer. By so. the way, firehouse, uh, if you would like to uh, be our podcast sponsor, we love your sandwiches. Yeah, I should have got a New York steamer the other day. Instead, I got a Reuben at Vans. It wasn't very good. I, I'm with Eddie. I can't really handle this uh, sandwich's name. We're going to have to have a talk about this. <laughs> Someone, okay. I'm glad somebody got off. it. I'm, I'm glad somebody got it. Somebody, <laughs> somebody, we were talking about, you know, Better Call Saul. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys watched that. That's like the follow-up series, or the prequel to Breaking Bad. I loved love Breaking Bad. Awesome. Could not get into Better Call we Saul. We were talking about the, the, the scene where he explains, you know, um... The Chicago sunroof, do you know what I'm talking about, Josh? <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. And so someone told me to go look up Alabama oh. Hot Pocket <laughs> on Urban Dictionary. <laughs> Don't do it. Do not do it. It is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Chicago Tonight. sunroof is just taking a dump in somebody's sunroof. <laughs> Tonight, Urban Dictionary is going to be like, we got a lot of hits on Alabama Hot Pocket from Oklahoma today. I wonder what the hell that's about. It is It is aptly named, though. Oh, God. So raise your hand if you think you're going to go look it up anyway. Don't do it. Eddie! I, I already did. Yeah, it. It's disgusting. Don't yeah, read it. it. Don't. It's pretty disgusting. It's, it's gross. All right. Uh, on that note... Alabama Hot Pocket, you will never be a show sponsor. Uh, thanks to Josh McQuistian, who is back from his home base. Uh, Eddie Radosovich, John Shinnan Studio. Uh, we broke your cherry, John. Congratulations. You're no longer a podcast version. virgin. Uh, that's going to do it. Until next time, when we see you right back here on the Unofficial 40 Podcast.